does. I won't point, I won't point at you, but somebody knows it over there. <clears throat> Just remember, in Christ there is no East or West. We'll get back to it. Thank you, Jean. Um, announcements. Obviously, today is Ash Wednesday. Some of us went to the prayer service this morning at 7. Some of us have been through the drive-through and had ashes uh, imposed on us. We have a noon service today in the sanctuary, followed by a light lunch up here. We would love for everybody to join us for that. Uh, if you can't make that, you've already got a commitment. There's another service at 6.30 tonight, also in the sanctuary. The Lenten prayer vigil is Friday, March 6th. That's next week to Saturday, March 7th. There are 30-minute time slots. If you have never done a prayer vigil, even if you have done a prayer vigil, come and sign up. It is the most blessed time to sit quietly for 30 minutes in worship and praise of the Lord. It is the most blessed event. So if you want to sign up, you can uh, come and talk to me or you can go on Covenant's website. There will be security at night. And I'm just telling you that those 2 o'clock in the morning times are really, really extra. They're extra holy. It's wonderful. Um, Texas Reach Out Ministry. That they are a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church. That is uh, a group that provides transitional housing to ex-offenders who are just coming out of prison and they need a safe place to kind of get their act together. They asked us about five years ago, Paige, I don't remember, um, to come and do a Bible study one night a month, one night a month. And so Paige and I went with fear and trembling like this together and we taught them how to do inductive Bible study. She and I both have been called to do something else at the moment, but they are in need of somebody to come and help lead that study. It sounds intimidating, it is not. It is the biggest blessing you will ever receive. You will learn far more from them than they will from you. And if your heart is pounding, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to come talk to me about that. So I will leave that. And then also a quick reminder that we only have two more lessons before spring break. So next week and the week after that, and then we have spring break. And it, I don't know where it's going. It's flying by. Um, okay, we've got a story today. Paige Harris is going to come in, or stand or wherever you are. Where are you, Paige? Oh, there you are. You're coming. Oh, good. I promised her we don't bite. Yes, she did. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank everybody who... What? Oh, sorry. You have to hold it up like this. Details, I details. Know. Okay, let's start over. Sorry. I want to thank you who've shared your stories because I think they're so encouraging and Obviously, they encouraged me to share mine. Um, a few years ago, our church in Georgia formed a um, mission trip to Kenya. And as much as that appealed to me, I just thought it sounded great. I couldn't think of any reason that I could rationalize the cost of the trip. They would have a medical team, no help. They were have a dental team, no help. Um, we took sewing machines and taught sewing, no help. Uh, we took computers and gave technology classes. You, you get the picture. So there was no reason. So I put it aside, and, uh, but I couldn't 
shake it. I kept thinking about it. So a few, just a few weeks later, my husband and I um, were watching the original animated movie of The Lion King, and the music is just so beautiful. And so about halfway through, I just began crying, and I couldn't figure it out. But I finally paused the movie and stood up and said, I'm going to Kenya. And Barney said, why? And why are you crying? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I have no idea. So fast forward, I'm with this team in this little village in Kenya, and we were sent in pairs to worship in, with churches that were in their district or conference or whatever. So my partner and I were taken to a small one-room church that was in totally in the bush. You could, it was beautiful, grasses everywhere, but there was nothing in sight. And, um, but we enjoyed the most wonderful worship service. People brought in hubcaps and sticks and metal plates and spoons and even combs and made the most joyful noise. And it was all in Swahili, but it was, it was really an experience. So afterwards, the minister said to me, thank you, no one has ever visited us before. We thought we had been forgotten. This church was, is named Tamini, which means hope in Swahili, and you've brought hope here. Well, you all know that God brought that hope, but I just needed to show up. So we don't have to know all the answers to follow God's will. Thank you. Thank you, Paige, when you do it to the least of these. You had no idea what you were going to do when you went over there. I love that. Um, also, just for y'all's inform information from the time that we uh, served in Kenya, I had a very respected pastor tell me that I'd better learn Swahili because that's what God spoke. So <laughs> I was reminded, seeing Deb, that I left out a very, very important announcement, and I want to say that before we get started this morning. Our uh, elevator is out of order, kaput, dead, it's not even on life support today. So they all know about it, they're working about it. So any small group that uses that elevator can meet in here. And we can place you far enough apart, I guarantee you no one will hear what you're saying in your small group. So we've had small groups meet up here before, it's lovely, Jean. Oh, he's going to set the long tables. Okay. Well, we'll just we'll start over here first and then come. Yeah. But y'all can spread out in here if you really need the elevator. Um, just stay in here for that today. And I promise you, uh, Shannon and I will not go around listening to what you're saying. <laughs> Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for the prompting of your Holy Spirit that calls us places like Texas Reach Out and Kenya and into our own families to act with justice and righteousness to reflect your light and love. Father, polish up our mirrors today that we may reflect who you are to a world that needs it. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, when I went to camp, there were these things called skits. I hated them. But we had these cute counselors who were all sorority people, and they always came with these really cute skits every year, and so our group got to do a really cute skit. Our skit was to separate two boxes of cooked spaghetti without breaking a strand and without benefit of any olive oil or anything like that, right? Okay, they were cooked, they were cooled, and they were congealed um, into uh, adhesion that was so strong that the space shuttle could have probably used it to hold on the tiles. I'm not kidding. Needless to say, we didn't do very well, but it was hilarious watching us try to do that, okay? Today's lesson is a little bit like that. You will notice um, that justice and righteousness are pretty glued together. Somebody asked me in the beginning when we were lining out the study, they said, you know, those are two such huge topics, Jan. Why don't you separate them? You should really do them separately. Well, let's see if I put that up here. Uh, she was right. They're huge topics. The references in the Bible, there's 698 references to just or justice and 706 references to righteous and righteousness. That's a lot, right? These two are glued together. They are, in fact, uh, frequently used interchangeably in Scripture. So when you read just, you can put righteous. When you read righteous, you can put just in most instances. Now, to make matters stickier for this lesson, uh, we're going to be uh, bumping up against some other things as we talk about justice and righteousness. And that is, the more we contemplate them, the more we're going to bump up against sin and judgment and God's wrath, all right? I am going to try to hold off on discussion on those last three topics until a later lesson on wrath. Now, don't let me scare you. That is going to be the best lesson of the whole year because I've already looked at it, and it's really going to be good, okay? So that comes after spring break. But just know that those topics are kind of a subtext for what's going on today, and uh, try not to get wrapped around the axle too much. Also, remember when you're talking about justice and righteousness that God's attributes never fight with each other. Because God is perfect, his attributes are perfect. God is just and righteous. He is also good, loving, merciful, forgiving, and all of those attributes dance with each other. That's important for us to remember uh, as we get into this. I will tell you, and I, 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 went, I told Lynn, I said, I just, I'm, this lesson has just got me. And she said, oh, I think it's the best one ever. So, and I'm like, why aren't you doing the lessons? <laughs> anyway, um, I went to leaders meeting, and thank you, thank you 
because one of the leaders who was leading the meeting confessed that she had trouble with it too. And then somebody else said they had trouble with it too. And I'm like, thank you, I'm not alone. So if none of you had trouble with it, just go to your small group, you don't have to pay any attention. If you were a little kind of mm -mm about it, then you're in, you've got good company in your boat. Let's figure this out first. Okay, when I say justice, what do you think? Yeah, fair, hold on to that. Most of us think of either our own or somebody else's uh, way of maintaining law and order and enforcing the rules of society, right? We, th we think of it as a system that determines innocence and guilt and then meets out appropriate punishment. In other words, we think of justice in legal terms, all right? Um, it's something generally we think of as outside of us that we either get or we don't get. And most of us are, are in that legal way of thinking about it. Now, we don't generally too much think about divine justice. At least I don't. I mean, when was the last time you heard a topic on that, a sermon on that topic? Probably it's been a while. We tend to be a little hesitant about it. it, it when we think of divine justice, there's a little fear involved. And uh, mostly we just kind of ignore it. We put it to the side. We want to focus on God's love and his grace and his mercy and all of those feel-good attributes. And so we kind of just don't, we avoid the topic of God's justice. Okay, so let's keep that right over here. Then we have righteousness on this hand, right? Now, when, when I hear that word, I don't know about y'all, but I go really quickly from righteousness to self-righteousness. That's usually what I think. I think of uh, words like hypocrite and uh, holier than thou. And even I have some very specific friends who come to mind who just, <laughs> I use the friends in quotes, air quotes, um, who, who think they are righteous because they have the favor of the Lord all the time. And I'm like, seriously? So I don't spend much time meditating on that word either. You know, it's just, it's some, those are two words that I have kind of some spiritual antibodies to. Uh, but we shouldn't avoid them because A, they are attributes of God, and B, he cares passionately about them. Look how many times they're referenced in his word, right? They have the same root word in Hebrew, which means straight, straight, upright. So when applied to God is just, it means that he is impartial. He is equal in his treatment of everyone. As we sang in the hymn this morning, there's no east or west with him. There's no north or south. Everybody is treated equally. It's a level playing field with God. No one gets an advantage. Okay? And then when we move on to righteousness, what that means is, is God is morally straight. He is upright. So he's, he's equal. He treats people equally. And he is morally upright. Now, the biblical concept of justice goes really far beyond just the law courts, which is how we think of it. It, it, it moves into everyday life. So God is just, but he also does justice. All right? And this is where justice and righteousness really wrap around each other. Same root word. The nuanced difference 
is that just refers to equality and righteous refers to right relationships. So let me give you an example. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just and righteous. They are just because they're equal. They are righteous because they are rightly related to each other. Okay, and as uh, somebody pointed out this morning, God's justice and righteousness always line up with each other. They're in perfect alignment. Our justice and righteousness frequently are not. All right. So righteousness, first and foremost, means the right relationship with God and therefore right relationships with other people. Right? It's how we live together with each other. It's how we live in community. If we don't have justice and righteousness, the community gets violated and things break down. And all we need to do is just look around to see that that is true. We have fractured families, we have fractured communities, we have fractured churches everywhere if we don't have justice and righteousness, all right? We are, because these are mutable um, attributes, God wants us to reflect them. So we are commanded to be just and righteous as well as God is. He wants to shine through us, these attributes. Now, okay, how in the world? The foundation of that we can find in 1 John 1, 8 through 9. That's a familiar verse, I think, to some of us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I want you to note that word. God is faithful and just. Not faithful and loving, not faithful and good, not faithful and merciful, although he is all of those things. He is faithful and just, and that word is really important because it's the crux of the good news that we have in Jesus Christ, that just. God's justice was satisfied when Christ went to the cross. So, it would be unjust of God to punish us for a sin that's already been paid for. God, we have God's justice because of Christ, because of what he did. We are just before God. We are equal before God because of Christ. All right, now, that's enough theology for the day because it kind of makes me glaze over. So uh, how are we supposed to reflect all of that um, in, in our lives? If it's mutable, how do we get God's justice and righteousness in us and out, right? Okay, so there's some things to remember before we get started on that. One is that God is the plumb line. God is the line against what you, you measure, the straight edge, okay? He, he gets to decide what is just, what is righteous, what is right in our actions and our thoughts. He alone determines what is morally straight. Not our friends, not our culture, uh, not our history, not our church, not ourselves, not our feelings, God. God gets to determine 
what is morally straight. As Laura said several weeks ago, you can only find truth in God. So we have this plumb line against which we're supposed to measure, right? But you can't uh, know what the plumb line is. You can't measure against it unless you know what it is, right? And God has told us in his word what that straight edge is. He has shown us in Jesus Christ what that straight edge. And he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit within to help us and guide us and give us the power to live that life straight. So justice and righteousness are characteristics that were, are told to us. They are demonstrated by Christ and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that when we ask him, all right? So, there are also actions. Actions. God is righteous and does righteousness. So how, through the power of the Holy Spirit, do we do that? Let's start with justice. Equal, straight, equal, right? Our human attempts to reflect divine justice are so often crooked. They are, a, they are a blurred image of God's justice, a dim reflection. And if we're honest with ourselves, and that's what Lent is all about, is being honest and reflective and meditative and repentant, right? If we're honest about ourselves, we don't want justice. We want fairness, right? Somebody said, it's fairness. If you don't know what that is, ask any little kid. I mean, they have a finely honed sense of what is and isn't fair, right? And maybe that's an echo of God's justice that's planted in our hearts. That may be. I don't think we ever outgrow that, that desire for fairness instead of justice. Um, just last week, I had worked some, on something really hard, and I thought I had done such a great job, and it was going to help some people, and it was, I was so excited. And then somebody else took credit for my work. And what was the first cry of my heart? Wait a minute, that isn't fair. And it was interesting how the Holy Spirit said, mm, let it go, Jen, let, let it go. But we don't really outgrow that. And we tend to define fair as something that benefits me. In other words, I, I get the advantage it's not justice, that's equal, right? I get the advantage, right? In, the, in our human way of thinking, fair doesn't mean equal. Um, also, if you think about it in our human way of thinking, equal doesn't mean fair. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I have often wondered and been somewhat frustrated by the fact that God loves that person over there who is clearly not a believer and clearly living a life that doesn't honor and glorify him and clearly headed down the wrong road. God loves that person much as he loves me. Because God is just. There's an equality to what God does. Is that fair? No, because I don't have the advantage. You see the difference? In God's kingdom, just means equal. Okay, so let's consider righteous. Right relationships. It means living rightly in our relationships with God and therefore in our relationships with other people. God tells us to do that in the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. 
great. Doesn't that sound wonderful? The trick is actually doing it. But if we do that, we're rightly related to God and we're rightly related to others. We are righteous. Okay? Besides this commandment, God has told us how to reflect these attributes to the world. And you have this verse in your lesson. It's the Micah 6.8 verse. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justice, act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is how Jesus lived and demonstrated to us this is how God wants us to live, right? The, the trick comes in defining all of that. But just for a minute, take a look at the verbs. They are active. They are oriented outward toward the other. And they are choices, which tells me we can choose to do the morally right thing. We can choose to treat others equally. We can choose to extend mercy. We can choose to walk humbly in dependence on our Lord. We can choose to do those things. And God is asking us to do that. Of course, as you will look at in, in your lesson today, that comes from a heart that is um, oriented toward God and others. It comes from a heart that is sacrificed in righteousness to God and others. And then these other things flow from that. Okay, so practically speaking, how do we do it? Y'all are going to spend some time in your, in your small groups talking about that today. I hope you get to those two reflection questions because that's really what they deal with. Uh, we somehow or another in the leaders meeting never quite get that far. But linger on the how you do it. Now, we all know there are really big justice and righteousness issues in our world today. I mean, you can just, you can tick them off. Racism, poverty, corruption, child labor, sex trafficking, huge. Those are huge, and it's important that we address those issues, and there are some organizations that are specifically geared toward that. International Justice Mission is one of them, um, and they deserve our support, but I can't, that's too big for me. You know, I can't wrap myself around that. Uh, what is it that God wants me to do? There are smaller ways that we can do justice and righteousness in, in normal, everyday, walking around, what am I going to cook for supper days, okay? Right where God has placed us in specific places, all right? There's a saying that God is always local. Well, justice and righteousness are always local, too. It's always where you are, right here. That's where you start. Now, when I was thinking about, okay, Jen, that's great, but that's still, you know, out here. How do I, make, how do I bring it in here? I started thinking about some things. I was convicted in, in my Lenten meditation, and so because I am, then I am going to throw these out to you because I don't want to wrestle by myself and I want company in all of these things. So we're going to look at three things. Money, time, and our mouths. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just started meddling, right? I got it. I, t I totally get it. Okay, start with your finances. I would say, you know, look at your checkbook, but nobody writes checks anymore. So let's take a look at your credit card statement. Take a look and evaluate that as to uh, how your consumer habits, are they self-focused or are they kingdom-focused? It's really interesting. I was doing that because I had to, to look at our taxes this last week. And it, it really got me into thinking of, okay, so 
there are things that I buy, am I buying, you know, are my consumer habits just and righteous? Am, am I buying things that are made with fair labor? Am I buying things with people who pay a living wage? It takes some research to figure that out, but you can figure it out. There are all kinds of companies now that are dedicated to that, providing the things that we need uh, made fairly, made with a living wage. Uh, we got, I got to look at our donations, you know, the ministries that we support. Are those in alignment with what my faith is? And were we willing to adjust our donation dollars in that way? So there's it's just some things for you to think of when you think about your use of money, okay? Uh, your calendar, your time. Um, if, an out, if an outside observer looked at you, would they say your time is invested in the kingdom or is it spent on yourself? Now, there's a balance, obviously. Every moment is sacred to God, so everything we do can be given to him. But there is an interesting mindset when you start thinking about that. Uh, your time. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? Specifically, how do you do that? You know, Bob Goff says, love does. Love does. So how do you specifically love your neighbor? Do you even have time in your day to love your neighbor? Is there white space? Are you interruptible? with what God wants to do in your life. Uh, are you open to that? Okay, but here's the one that really got me. And that was my mouth. Um, there are a lot of uh, scriptures that talk about the uncontrollable tongue. And when I thought about that, I th all the usual things came to mind. It, you know, it was things like gossip and, and telling the truth in love and uh, judging people and um, you know, using my language as a divisive or uniting and all those usual things. Okay, but here's the one that I stuck on. And it was a new thought to me, so I'm going to share it with you. Just today, the rest of today, as you're interacting with people, notice how many times you use a label. Okay? With regard to another person. Let me give you an example. If you're anywhere in the world and they ask you where they're from and you say you're from Texas, they know something about you, don't they? Or if I say I'm from West Texas, you know something about me. Labels start out as really handy shorthand by just giving us some information about somebody in a, in a concise form. And that, that's helpful. That's actually really helpful. However, what labels tend to do over time, inevitably, is they end up diminishing the other person. I will never forget when I was growing up, I, there was a family and they had, there was a big family and they had a big ranch and then they had another ranch and they were, and so I was trying to get all this family straightened out because I couldn't keep them all straight. So I asked my grandmother who this particular member was. And she said, oh, <laughs> which told me something right there. She said, oh, they're the Smiths from the south part of the county, as opposed to the Smiths from the north part of the county. That label, South Brewster County, diminished them in their worth. 
Now, I was shocked at how many labels we just use in everyday conversation. Not to mention, and I won't mention, the political realm. If you think you don't use labels, just listen to that. For It won't take 10 seconds, I guarantee it. So that's the thing. So how do you honor God? How do you live justly, equally, righteously, straight with your tongue? For me, it starts by listening. For me, it starts by listening. Now, this led me into my Lenten practice for the year. You know, I've shared with y'all several times that I used to let my kids pick my Lenten practice, and that's always interesting um, and sometimes a little dangerous. Like the year they picked that I should give up fear. You know, and the comment was, Mommy, you should give up something that God really cares about, fear. So in thinking about listening, you know, what is it that keeps me from listening? I'm distracted, I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. So this year for Lent, I am telling y'all, and I am making myself accountable to you, that I am going to give up hurry for Lent. And see if that doesn't help me live in a more equal, straight way that is pleasing and honoring to God. Okay, now I've got all these things up here. I think I have these things up here. Maybe I don't. Never mind. There you go. I am not creating a list that you and I can externally focus on and check off and say, okay, great, 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 now I'm just and righteous. Um, that's not the point. The point is to give you some things to think about internally, for we all know that the heart is what God cares about. That when we are just and righteous before him in Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes in and makes himself at home in us and starts rearranging things and reconstructing things in our hearts. So that's what I'm asking you to do today or sometime this Lent is to sit still, listen to God, and ask him to reveal what's in your heart. And I'm, if you're like me, you'll have a few things you have to confess. And then ask him to fill it with his justice and his righteousness that we can reflect that to a world who really needs it because it's so broken right now. So that's, that's your homework assignment is some meditation and listening that is harder than it sounds. But there's also a blessing in that. So let's pray. Father, in order to um, appreciate your justice and your righteousness, um, our hearts have to be open to it. And right now I am going to pray a bold prayer and ask that you break our hearts with what breaks yours. That you open our eyes to see the ways we behave in justice, the ways we treat people as less, not equally created in your image. Convict us of our thoughts 
and our habits that are not straight according to you and your plumb line, Lord. And empower us by your precious Holy Spirit with the courage and wisdom to confess, repent, and be transformed into the women of God that you want us to be so that we can make a difference in this world. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Remember, there's no elevator. <laughs>